On today's episode of Two Brads Talking Politics, I'm speaking with Jonathan Welch and Alex Mohajer from the Stonewall Democratic Club, discussing the new National Vote at Home initiative. And special shout out today to our guest editor, Marie Kent. Thanks, Marie. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly with Two Brads Talking Politics. And I'm on today with Jonathan Welch uh, from the Stonewall Democratic Club. Jonathan is the, uh, and now I'm going to forget what you just told me you were, <laughs> Director <laughs> of Produced Media, something like that, uh, for the, the Stonewall yes. Democratic Club and the uh, co-executive producer of the National Vote at Home Initiative. Uh, so welcome, Jonathan. Thanks, Kelly. It's so great to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, so let's start with just uh, what is the Stonewall Democratic Club uh, and tell me a little bit about uh, its mission. Sure. So the Stonewall Democratic Club is uh, the nation's oldest progressive feminist LGBTQ political organization. Uh, we are mostly based in Los Angeles, but we've started to take on more of a national platform, especially with this election. So our main goal is to advance queer people in politics, whether that be people who are getting elected or appointed to office or people who are just participating in the political process from voting. Um, we have broadened that scope, of course, because we just want to reach all people um, who are eligible to vote, especially in this election, with the concerns that matter to uh, to queer people and to people of color and to women. Like we're very concerned with all progressive politics. What are some of the the issues specifically uh, that you know if if people are sort of thinking about what uh, what issues might matter to to queer people? Obviously, all issues are going to matter to course, queer people because they're people. But, um, yeah. but what are issues that might be really uh, specific to the the groups that you're representing? Well, specifically, I mean, take a look at things that have happened within the past few years since Donald Trump has become president. Of course, you know, the ability for queer people to adopt children has been under fire. We just had a major victory in which queer people can't be uh, discriminated against in the workplace. They can't be you know, fired for being queer. Um, that is something that even though we just recently scored that victory in the Supreme Court, that's something that could easily go away. Like all of the things that we have on the books now can easily go away if the GOP gets their way, if the Trump administration gets their way. So really, you know, our rights are under assault. And that goes for everybody. I mean, it's not just queer people, it's women having to deal with reproductive health um, and discrimination. It's discrimination against people of color. Um, these are all issues that, you know, that we have our eyes on and that we're making sure we fight for, um, you know, we fight to protect those rights. So I noticed uh, that the Stonewall Democratic Club does some endorsements. Uh, what are what are the kinds of candidates uh, that uh, that the group endorses? You know, how do how do they decide uh, who is going to is going to be endorsed? Sure. So we go through uh, we go through a healthy endorsement process in which we take a look mostly at the local candidates. We're a Los Angeles based organization. So most of our 
people are located here in Los Angeles County, or at least, you know, around Southern California. So we take a look at all of the candidates that are running in local races to make sure that they match up with our values. And in often cases, we have people who um, who work on the campaigns or the candidates themselves will come and talk to us. So we put out a questionnaire to those candidates and make sure that they fill that out. And, um, and then they have the opportunity to come speak to us at our monthly meetings. Uh, and then we vote as an organization on whether, to, uh, whether or not to endorse those candidates. So, you know, certainly with some of the races that we have out there now, we have some Senate races. We, of course, have the presidential race. We make sure that we... There's a we presidential race going on? God, <laughs> Who in, knew? In, a way, in a way, it's like, I wish it wasn't. Here we are. Yeah. We can't escape it. We have 52 days to go as of this recording, which just gives me chills. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we take a look at all of those races because not only do we have to get Joe Biden elected, but we have to flip the Senate. We have to hold the House. Uh, it's imperative that we flip legislative races in states where we don't necessarily, um, you know, have have a presence, but we're still interested in those races. So we ensure that as long as it comes up, it's something that we'll that we'll take into account. You're the director of produced media. So what what does that mean? Yeah, well, it's actually a new role. So I took on the role in February, just before the pandemic. And so <laughs> just before produced media became really, really exactly, important. <laughs> exactly. And that also changed the way that we looked at produced media, right? Because before when I started, I thought, okay, well, this is a great opportunity for us to produce live shows where we actually go out and we're able to sit in the, you know, have an audience and sit on a stage and talk to each other. And we can have like a live game show with interviews and you know and uh and then of course like you know maybe we can create some sketches we can incorporate comedy into politics we can do all kinds of things and we can have guests none of that can happen right now because we're you know doing everything over zoom or it can happen over zoom um but since we're all remote it kind of changed the way that i had to look at my role so we launched um we have you know, a couple of multimedia initiatives at the Stonewall Democratic Club. We've had a podcast for about a little over a year called Stonewall Spotlight. It is our flagship podcast that's hosted by Marcus Lovingood and Mackenzie Hussman, who are two very dedicated board members of Stonewall. And we treat that as like a monthly news magazine podcast. So it dives into certain issues with uh, with just a very creative look at politics. So love that podcast. You can go check that out. Um, and then we also created a weekly show called The Read Down, which we put out on YouTube live every Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and that <laughs> live is scary. I love being able to. Edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, live is scary. Um, as we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about like, of course, how bad our Wi-Fi can be. So we have had <laughs> several snafus that have to do with Wi-Fi on the show, but we just roll with it and we we get through. We have a conversation. There's four of us on the show, uh, and we rotate who's on there with special guests every week. So. So we've brought that into uh, into the fold. And then, of course, why I'm here talking to you today, we're talking about the National Vote at Home Initiative, and that has been a huge multimedia undertaking for our club, and we're super proud of that. So really, my role touches all pieces of produced media, whether it be something that you listen to or something you watch. 
we're we're trying to get people out there. We're trying to get eyes and ears on some of the issues and some of the races that we care about. I love it. So tell me uh, then about the National Vote at Home Initiative. You know what what's the idea behind this, and and uh, sort of how are you trying to achieve? Yeah. That? So. Um, we chose 16 states that scare the shit out of me. Um, 16 states <laughs> that, you know, and in a good way, because I think that something happened in 2016 that awakened um, something in people who pay attention to politics a lot less than I think some of us political nerds do. So I consider myself <laughs> a political nerd. I am watching, you know, the news I'm reading constantly. I'm looking at the polls. So I know what's happening. And I, and I recognize that a lot of my friends don't, but we've seen a lot of those people who took politics for granted now changing their minds and taking a look at what they can do and how they can become activists in their own right. And it's very exciting if anything. So, you know, there are 16 states that we looked at that have the ability to change the face of this country if we're looking at January 2021. Um, we have the top three, of course, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, you know, the <laughs> trifecta, and then others that, that kind of have that effect. So this is a multimedia project. And what we decided to do was take a look at those 16 states, take a look at the parameters around voting by mail, or as we call it, vote at home. Um, and, you know, what the deadlines are when you're going to get your ballot, when you need to postmark your ballot, what happens once you receive the ballot. So we've, we put it out to 16 different people. We have celebrities like uh, Deborah Messing and Kristen Johnston and Linda Carter also. The original Wonder I mean, come on, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's on board and she's yeah. talking about it. Wonder Woman wants you to Wonder vote. Woman and she so she targeted her home state of Arizona. Um, and so we put these videos out over the course of sixteen days. Right now we're like kind of right in the middle of the campaign. We started it on September second. And these are two minute, two minute, 10 second videos that are easily digestible, easy to share on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we're rolling out with a new video every day until the 16th. So, you know, what, what are you hoping happens with these videos? You know, what, what's the ultimate goal of, of getting those videos out there? Well, I think that the, first of all, take a look at the administration right now and what they're saying. I mean, when the pandemic hit, I think one of the thoughts that happened was, of course, you know, like what's happening with my job, what's happening with my health, what's happening with my family, but then what's happening with the election, the elections coming up in November, what are we going to do? And at that point, states, you know, secretaries of state, city clerks, county clerks, everybody kind of went to work to figure out a system around how to vote by mail, you know, pretty much all, all across the country. So we started to come up and come up with that and started seeing that framework come you know, come together. And as that started to come together, you started to see Donald Trump attack the very idea of voting by mail, and then start to attack the US Postal Service with Louis DeJoy as Postmaster General, just starting to dismantle some of the operational uh, efforts of the Postal Service, which is insane, because it's more than just voting. I mean, this is how people get paid. This is how people get their prescriptions, how people keep in touch with each other during a pandemic. Like we love sending each other cards and packages and things like that. And if we can't do that, then come on, <laughs> right? 
how people get their Joe Biden signs in the mail. I should yes. <laughs> and that is very important because you will notice, I actually, I was talking about this recently, like you see the Trump merch everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's very culty in a way because it's not, you know, they'll, a lot of his supporters will wave a Trump flag before they wave an American flag. And you're starting to see that more. And that's frightening. So all of, you know, the, the emblazonment of Trump gear, we have to counter that with Biden gear. We need our Biden signs. We need our banners. We need our bumper stickers. All of those things are coming in the mail. And we're starting to see that being attacked. We're starting to see the mail slow down. So what we wanted to do is to make sure that everybody who has opted to vote by mail knows that that is a safe option. There, it doesn't matter what this administration tells you. It is not if the the idea of fraud in the mail system is nil, right? It's like .001%. And of course, now Donald Trump is um, encouraging people to commit mail fraud, you know? So I'm laughing about it because I'm trying not to cry, but he's... <laughs> You know, and it's too early in the day to start drinking. I know, so. <laughs> I know. My God. Um, although I wouldn't judge anyone who did, but you know, I I just feel like there is all this misinformation out there. We needed to create a system to get the right information in the hands of the voters. Um, so that's why we decided to do this, and we decided to do this by video because, of course, you can read what the parameters are, but it's so much easier on social media if you're just sharing a video or if you see that your friend shared a video, you're going to click on it and watch it. You see Linda, you see Wonder Woman on a video about voting, you're going <laughs> to click on it, you know, and that is actually the experience we've had since we've been releasing the videos. We've had um, over well over a million impressions on Twitter, um, and. I think over 12,000 people were compelled to believe have actually clicked on the link in order to get more information on how to register to vote since we launched the project. So we're very, very pleased with that result. We are, of course, putting these videos out there so that they can be digested as the campaign rolls along, you know, from now until election day. So all that information is out there and accessible. So you mentioned Twitter. Is it on uh, other social media as well? It's everywhere. So it's Twitter, it's Facebook, uh, it's on Instagram. You can find us at Stonewall Dems uh, on all of those platforms or the Stonewall Democratic Club on Facebook. And it's on YouTube, uh, youtube youtube.com backslash Stonewall Democrats. So you can find it anywhere. And uh, was there anything as you were researching these deadlines and things and getting these videos put together, was there anything that surprised you about any of the states? Are, are there sort of really big differences between the, these different states that you're There are. At? There are. We did have to mix the message up depending on the state. So Texas is a really good example because in Texas, uh, the only way that you can really vote by mail is if you are over 65, if you have a disability, if you are in jail, but otherwise eligible to vote, or if you're serving overseas. Mm -hmm. So we had to really tailor that message for that state in particular, because of course, you know, that's a red state, they make it very hard for people to vote by mail. As we've kind of rolled out the messaging, as we've been working on this project over the last two year, two two years, oh my god, two months, it does <laughs> it feel like two years. years. <laughs> um, but as we've been working on that for the past two months, 
one of the things that we have also incorporated into our messaging is the importance to create a voting plan. So this can be a part of your voting plan. A lot of people are going to be getting their ballots in the mail. What we want to ensure is that once you get your ballots in the mail, you know what to do with that ballot. And that varies state by state, too, because in a lot of cases, you're able to drop it off somewhere that isn't a mailbox. So if you cannot count on the U.S. Postal Service, if you can do something a little bit different in order to ensure that your ballot is counted, we encourage that. So that was something that we had to work into our messaging as well. Um, we did notice that a lot of states are doing drop boxes, which is incredibly helpful. We do that in Los Angeles County. We have um, vote drop boxes all throughout the county, and they're huge. You know, they're like five times the size of a regular mailbox, and they hold a ton of ballots, and they come collect those twice a day. So we encourage, if you do have those in your state, to find those, drop them off there. Uh, and in some states, you can drop them off at polling places or at your city or county clerk's office. So we encourage ballot drop off because that's going to make it so much easier to get those votes counted and to get them counted early. Are you definitely stopping with these states? Is there any chance you would do any more states? Oh boy. <laughs> <Like> Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did consider, you know, I mean, we've of course considered a lot of states. I personally wanted to add New Hampshire um, because I'm from Massachusetts mm. and I grew up 15 minutes away from the New Hampshire border. And uh, there was a New York Times Siena poll today with New Hampshire within the margin of error. And I almost, uh, you know, got in my car to drive off the road just on purpose. It was, it's frightening. This is a close election and every single state, you know, even the bluest of blue states, we did a California video, for instance, because California is one, our home state. We want to be able to share that. But two, we have about seven house seats that we flipped in 2018 that we need to defend and on top of that, try to flip a couple more. That's, that's going to be very difficult because on the presidential level, you have places like Orange County that went blue, fully blue in 2018. We're afraid that it may not stay fully blue because the presidential turns people out who do not turn out in the midterms. So, you know, we have a lot of concerns around different states that we didn't touch and unfortunately, we just kind of ran out of bandwidth and time. So I wish that we could have added something. Um, but we, but what we will do is continue to try to push the campaign. And on top of that, you know, if you don't see your state when you come to Stonewall.vote, which is our site for the initiative, if you don't see your state on there, you can take a look at IWillVote.com. That's not our site, but that's just the site that we recommend. And that will give you all the information that you need to know about your state. So it's all out there. And we wish we could do a little bit of everything, but that's hard to do. Yeah, I'm sure anyone who hasn't done video editing probably doesn't have a very good sense of just how very much time it takes. Yeah, it's an undertaking. <laughs> the number of hours that go into a two-minute video is... Yeah, it's a huge undertaking. You know, myself and my my partner on the project, Alex Mohajer, uh, he's the other co-executive producer, and he and I have just like put a lot of energy into it. He's put a ton of effort into the PR aspect of this campaign and just sending it out to organizations and groups that can help amplify the message. So it does every every little thing that seems simple, every little simple social media campaign actually has a lot of different components and a big team behind it. And I'm very proud of this team. 
um, they've worked incredibly hard and we've had, we had a great editor Excellent. and he just, you know, he plowed through these 16 videos. So, and, and two Spanish language videos, I should say that we have uh, Nevada and Arizona or I'm so sorry, um, Texas and Arizona have a Spanish language version as well. So would you recommend if people want to share these, does it make sense for them to sort of focus on one state, the state they know a lot of people in or something, or should they share all the video, you know, oh, what, sure. what's sort of the best, maybe sort of social media strategy? Here? Listen, I love it if you want to share all the videos, but I understand also that <laughs> if you're bombarding people with a lot of information that your message can get diluted over time. Um, so really, if you know people in these states, we encourage you to find the states and then share those videos with those people directly. That's actually what I've been doing. I know people in almost all of the states that we've released. And every time we release a video, I send it to those friends and those friends help amplify the message. You know, when you're talking to voters and when you're talking to people in your life um, about politics, they're more likely to listen to you because they know you. So it's easier for you to amplify your personal message with people in your network and then they will amplify it with people in their networks. So, I mean, it's a very old-fashioned way of looking at politics, but it's probably the most effective way that political communication works is when we're having those conversations with the people in our lives. And you trust the people in your life. So if they're sharing a piece of information with you, chances are you're going to pay attention a whole lot more than if you just see something at random. So we definitely encourage that piece of personal participation. Yeah, I think that's so important. I, I saw something the other day on Twitter. Uh, you know, right now there's not a lot of door knocking going on, which is usually what would be happening in September and October before a big election. Uh, and I think it was Amanda Littman on Twitter said, you know, it wasn't the actual act of knocking the door that was important. It was the conversations that people were having. And you can still find ways to have those conversations even when you're not in the same physical place. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's absolutely right. That personal connection, people knowing, you know, that how you feel about certain issues and, and why it's important to you and which candidates are, are going to help support that is, is really important. Yeah, I think, you know, when I was growing up in, in Massachusetts, we're a very crusty, um, puritanical place. And so there, the idea of we don't talk about politics, you know, we don't talk about those things. Um, we're trying to really redefine that, I think we should talk about politics. You know, we should talk about these issues and social media is not the best thing in the world. However, it is kind of great in a way because people are then able to amplify their personal platforms out there, just kind of air it out at large. And I think that that has opened up more discussion. So I'm thankful for it in that way. And yeah, we do have to get creative. You know, certainly everybody listening is going to know some people in some of these states. There are a lot of people listening uh, who know people in Ohio and Wisconsin, for instance. I know uh, which are two of the states that are on this list. Uh, so I think that's great advice to to sort of share those directly uh, with with people you know in those states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I live in Chicago, and I've got Joe Biden signs up, but you know, it's it's not that important where sure. I live. Uh, so I went ahead and just uh, sent yard signs to my parents in Ohio, and they never would have gone and gotten a Joe Biden yard sign. But when it showed up at their house, they put it up, yeah. and all of a sudden, their neighbors were like, "Oh, we're voting for Biden too!" And you know, so it it really does spark these conversations. It totally does. You know, I, I mean, it, it's like I said, it's all about the people in your life, and I think I actually think that's part of why Trump ended up winning in a way because you know people 
saw that other people in their lives were, you know, putting up the Trump flags. We have to counter that. We have to put up our own signs and our own flags. And then that lets people in our lives know that it's okay. And so joining us now in the conversation is Alex Mohajer. Uh, Jonathan had mentioned Alex earlier is the co-executive producer of the National Vote at Home Initiative. So hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Good morning. Yeah, great. So I'm, I'm glad you could join us. So we were just talking about the importance of uh, personal connections and personal conversations uh, in getting people uh, to, to vote, to be interested in issues. Uh, so I wonder if you could, I know that, that you've done a lot of work sort of getting the, the PR piece of this uh, National Vote at Home Initiative out there. If you could talk about the way that, you know, uh, playing into people's uh, personal connections, the people they know, you know, how we can get the publicity for this project out using that method. Yeah, I think that it's really important to remember that there are some people whose minds we're not going to change. And um, that's just the reality. So I think knowing the difference between who can be moved and who can't is really important. And it's important for our own self-care and it's open. It's important for our well-being. And um, we're in a really divided time and people are set, you know, set in stone. Trump said he could famously said he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and, and people would still support them. And I sometimes feel that that's true now because it's bombshell after bombshell after bombshell, and some people are immovable. So knowing, that, knowing who can be moved is really important ahead of this election. And we are looking at people who either didn't show up in 2016 or who voted third party, who we can now sort of wave our hands at and be like, hey, we need you guys to come on board now. Like tonight, today, this, this is the time. The time is now. And if you really think about the fact that it was only 77,000 people that, that decided the 2016 election in three states, that's kind of like who we're looking at. If we can build on the coalition that Hillary Clinton had and, and build it by 77,000. And so the way that we do that is really talking to people that we know are already on our side, the people that we know care about the same things that we care about, and making sure that they're registered to vote and that they are aware of how to vote and that they have a plan to vote. And so we were really we're really proud of this project because we think that it's it's a way to reach out to the LGBTQ community. We know that LGBTQ voters, they agree with us on policy and on things uh, the majority of the time. But a lot of LGBTQ voters don't turn out. So can we get a few more queer people to show up to the polls? and? Using your social networks with your family, your friends, the people that you know that are in those states uh, is part of the way we reach out and try to try to affect the outcome of the election. And I'm really proud of what we're doing. And, and I want to add to what you just said, Alex, because think about between 2016 and now all of the people who have turned 18. You know, you have these 18 to 21 year olds who were not voting in 2016, who have seen what has happened in the country. They're seeing what's happening with climate change. They're seeing that the West is on fire. They're seeing a racial reckoning that, you know, that is kind of defining the young years of their lives. And they want to do something about it. So I'm heartened by the idea that political polling tends to grab likely voters based on, you know, who voted in past elections, and they don't understand the power of the young people. Gen Zers are one of the most politically charged generations 
I think we've ever experienced. My little sister is a Gen Zer, and she and all of her friends are actively out there. Um, if they're not working on campaigns, they're at least voting and pressuring the people in their lives to vote. And that's a very exciting shift as well. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I was just reading that, you know, for Gen Z, it's it's not as important uh, sort of who the person, who the candidate is, that they really care about issues, things like climate change, uh, gun safety, you know, there are issues that are really driving uh, Gen Z. And so, so it doesn't really matter necessarily who's at the top of the ticket or something. What matters is, is getting them engaged uh, and getting them out to vote. Definitely. 100%. Gen Z is going to save us all. Yeah. They, <laughs> Someone's got to. My God, I'm so proud of them. It makes me just like so happy, especially to have uh, someone I love in my family who's part of that generation and who absolutely uh, personifies that idea that they just really, they do care. It makes me almost like a little bit jealous. I, I as an act politically active millennial, and I know that Jonathan will agree. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm Gen X, so. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know why the millennials get such a bad rap. Although I will say that we oversaw uh, huge advancements in civil rights and the mm-hmm. election of the first black president and uh, marriage equality. And so we're not totally useless. But, no, but one of the uh, things I think that we kind of, um, I think, I don't, I don't know, I'm going to stumble over this. So you might want to edit this part out. But um, one of the things that I think that we neglected to do is something that I'm seeing a shift in among millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Zers, people who thought that like we could solve the issues with electing certain people. Like we elected Barack Obama and great Obama fixed it. We're good. Um, You know, we could pass marriage equality. Now the gays are good. That's not the way it goes. You know, now we really need to make sure that we're working on issues that we're working to push the people that we've elected to office and that we continue to build the bench behind them. So I, I think that that's changed in the last five years because we started to see that deficit. We started to see it, you know, while Obama was still president. So uh, finally, I think our generations, all three of us are kind of changing how that's going. Yeah. All right. So tell everybody how they can find uh, the videos for the national vote at home initiative uh, and share them widely and, uh, if they can get you like a billion shares, will you do Illinois? <laughs> oh, listen, yes. Okay. We like so, this was so much work. I mean, like it, it's been a lot of work. You know, people. I know. We've been doing this on. We did this on a five hundred dollar budget, and um, and we're we are unpaid. We're volunteers, and it's been such a, a great deal of work. And sixteen states was a lot of states. I would love for us to expand, but I think that we need. A vacation after this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Fair just, enough. And we really don't need to get Illinois. I, I don't have any good arguments for why I would be at it except almost, that I'm here. <laughs> we almost expanded to New Hampshire, but um, if anyone wants to find our videos and support us, you can find us at stonewall.boat on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. We are at Stonewall Dems. On Facebook, we are Stonewall Democratic Club. On YouTube, we're youtube.com slash stonewall democrats right jonathan correct 
All right. Excellent. We'll put all those links uh, on our website so people can find them all from there as well. Uh, and certainly, you know, like I said, we have tons of people who are listening who know people in Ohio and Wisconsin. So I definitely expect those videos uh, for you to all go and share. Did you guys hear that Kanye West is off the ballot in Wisconsin? Great. I did. That's great. <laughs> he, they, he is not making the ballot in many, many places where I think that they anticipated that that would foul things up. So I'm very thankful for that. He also didn't make the ballot in Illinois, but again, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> you never know. We can't take anything for granted. We never know. This is true. This is true. Well, Jonathan and Alex, thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, this was a really fun conversation, and I just think this is a great project. I'm really excited about it. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kelly. It's good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening to Two Broads Talking Politics, part of the Dimcast Podcast Network. Our theme song is called Are You Listening? off of the album Elephant-Shaped Trees by the band Immunuri, and we're using it with permission of the band. Our logo and other original artwork is by Matthew Wefflin and was created for use by this podcast. You can contact us at twobroadstalkingpolitics at gmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook at twobroadstalk. You can find all of our episodes at twobroadstalkingpolitics.com or anywhere podcasts are found.